Hello there and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your pet hamster, your great, 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 great aunt Bernice, anyone that has a question. I'm Courtney. I'm joined with my lovely friend and our librarian behind the computer, Jill, and we're going to answer some questions. But first, Jill, summer has come to an end. What was one of your favorite memories from summer or your least favorite memory from summer? Because I can think of what your least favorite memory is, and it m- might be a good story. I, it's the only thing that happened to me this summer. Um, at the beginning of summer, I cut my leg quite badly. Very, very badly. Yeah. And it uh, basically just took my whole summer. I'm still recovering. Yeah. Her scar is pretty wild. Yeah, it's epic. So come on into Wyoming and see my cool scar. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd like to see the librarian with the leg scar, please. <laughs> Are they here today? Um, well, what's something that you did that you enjoyed? Because you did not enjoy that. No, I didn't enjoy that. Um, well, you know, right before that happened, I took my Girl Scout troop on a backpacking trip. It was really Ooh, fun. That really is fun. fun. Jill's daughter is a Girl Scout, and mm-hmm. she is my cookie source every year. It's great. Um, well, that's fun. This summer for me kind of flew by. I mostly worked at the library because we were back. We had a full summer full of programs, um, and it was really fun, and it was really great to see people back in the library um, at our programs dancing, doing cool steam activities, getting their book prize, lots of Petting dogs. Petting and reading to dogs. Um, Critter Barn was obviously my favorite one because all the animals to pet. Yeah. That was great. But um, that's yeah, a good one. Rough Readers is pretty close up there. But mm-hmm. let's answer some questions today. What do you got for us? Okay. So our first question comes from our friend Oliver. He's in Mrs. Blanchard's class. Well, he was in her class last year. Um, you can go back and listen to our episode where we answer all their questions. And his question is, how far do you have to travel in a space rocket before you lose gravity? So, first of all, what a great question, Oliver, and one that I had never really thought about until, well, yesterday when I picked this question (laughs) out of our list of questions. Um, And before I put my brain into hyperdrive and answer the question, let's talk about what gravity is. So, gravity is defined as the force by which an object that has mass attracts another object that has mass. Spoiler alert, we all have mass. This table has mass. This microphone has mass. Everything has mass. Um, And the force of gravity is also what keeps all the planets in orbit around the sun. It's what keeps everything on Earth from floating off into space. It's what keeps the moon orbiting around us. Um, But as you move further from Earth, the gravity that holds you, that like attracts you to Earth, does lessen. And Jill... Do you know who is credited with discovering gravity? Is it Isaac Newton? It is Sir Isaac Newton. That is right. He was the dude. And the story goes that he was just sitting beneath an apple tree working on something sciencey when an apple fell on his head. And he couldn't help but wonder why. Why did this apple fall on my head? At what rate did this apple fall on my head? All these questions, which is what scientists 
are really, really great at. They're great at asking why something happens and then following up with that and conducting experiments and studies to find the answer to their questions. Jill and I are just really good at asking why, and then we hope that someone else has the answer for (laughs) us. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Um, But we'll just wait until they find the answers to the questions that they don't already know. But anyways, um, he came up, he did a lot of work and studying and all this fun stuff, um, which you can learn about. You can find books about Sir Isaac Newton at the library. You can look him up on Britannica School. Lots of ways to learn more about our pal, Sir Isaac Newton. Um, but he also came up with a law of gravitation, which states that the force of gravity between two objects is equal to the mass of those two objects times each other, divided by the distance between them times the gravitational constant. So the closer two objects are, the greater the gravitational force is between them. Um, so now that we know a little more about gravity... Let's talk about losing gravity and if we truly do lose gravity. Um, And the answer to that question is, well, no, not exactly. Um, See, we can't ever actually lose gravity because we will always have mass and the earth will always have mass and there will always be some sort of distance between the two. So there will always be some gravity pulling you towards earth. Now, as you move through space, you will be closer to other objects with mass, such as the moon or other planets, and those will exert a force of gravity on you, and vice versa. You will exert a very minuscule force of gravity on them. But if that's the case, if we never actually zero gravity, why does it look like astronauts are in what we have called zero gravity when they're just floating in their space stations, just floating around, um... And is there a point you can reach to get that zero gravity effect? Great questions, and I'd love to tell you the answer. Um, Let's use the example of the space station, the International Space Station that's currently orbiting around the Earth. Um, The astronauts in the space station do appear to be floating and not experience any gravity, but they are experiencing gravity. The International Space Station orbits the Earth at an altitude between 200 and 250 miles from the surface, So at that altitude, they're still experiencing 90% of the gravity that Jill and I are currently experiencing sitting in chairs on Earth. Wow. Now, so why does it look like they aren't experiencing that amount of gravity? Well, I don't mean to cause you any alarm, but it's because the International Space Station is falling. And while I don't, it's not falling in the, oh, scary, the, oh, no, the sky is falling, but in an oh, no, I'm trapped in orbit around the Earth, and therefore I'm falling constantly type of way. Make sense? Mm. Doesn't make sense. Not fully. Okay. We'll get there. Um, I didn't think so. So Newton actually came up. He had this quandary, too. um, And he came up with an interesting way to explain how an object would get caught in the orbit around the Earth, like the moon. Mm -hmm. So, like, why doesn't the moon just crash into us? Why isn't it pulled? Because if – so if you think about it, if objects – are always exerting gravity. Why the moon is significantly smaller than the earth. Why isn't the moon pulled into the earth? Well, he came up with this and I will try to explain it, but you can always read about it too. If my explanation is not the greatest. So imagine that you are at the tallest peak on earth and you shoot a cannonball at a very high magical velocity. Can you see it? Can you picture yourself? Okay, perfect. I can. Okay, well, if you find that magical high velocity number, which scientists have, um, I don't know what that number is. You can find that. 
um, the cannonball will fall at the same rate as the Earth curves. Um, so the inertia would completely cancel the pull of Earth's gravity. And there's a bunch of science words that I don't know. You can read that on our links. And bam, the cannonball is just perpetually falling around the Earth. So it gets stuck in that orbit around the Earth. So that is what's happening to the International Space Station. It got launched a certain velocity, and then it gets stuck. So it's just technically, we say orbiting, but I feel like we should say falling. Because that it sounds is falling. scarier, though. It sounds, sounds a lot scarier. So the moon is doing that, too. The moon is doing that, too. Okay. Um, now, so this also means that the astronauts inside the space station are also falling. Um, are you ready for another metaphor? Yeah. Explain that. Okay, great. Because I have one, and it's from the science dude. So imagine you're in an elevator. And the cable snaps, and the elevator starts falling. So now you're falling with you with it's falling with you in it. Terrifying, right? Yes. Um, you become so startled that you let go of the newspaper you were holding. Um, now both you and your newspaper are falling towards the Earth at the same rate. It's that gravitational constant, um, which means that the newspaper does not fall away from you. So, like, if the elevator wasn't moving and you let go of the newspaper. The newspaper is the only thing that is falling. But since you and the newspaper are falling, it's just going to kind of float there with you. So it looks like it's weightless, meaning that it has no gravity because weight is your mass affected by gravity. But it's very false. It does have gravity. Um, The Earth's gravity is still very, very much in control, despite how that may appear. So the same can be said for the astronauts in the space station. They're literally continuously falling around Earth along with the space station. So they appear to be weightless when they are inside of it. Um, So to answer your question, Oliver, there isn't actually anywhere you can blast off to that you will not feel some sort of gravitational pull. As you get further away from Earth, that gravitational pull will lessen. But further away from Earth you get, the closer you get to Mars, Jupiter, Random rocks in the galaxy. Um, there's lots of things in the galaxy. They're all very far apart, but you're always going to have some sort of gravitational pull on you. Um, yeah. Wow. I know. That, that was a lot to digest, and I might have talked too fast, but there's lots of links in our show notes. There's a good video from TED Ed, which are the TED Talks people that talks about um, how far you would have to go to escape gravity. And they do a much better job, and it's a little bit lengthier than mine. So, but yeah, that's all about gravity. Wow. I can't stop thinking about falling in an elevator now, though. I know. That's, like, <laughs> terrifying, but um, doesn't doesn't happen often. No. It's like Tower happen. of Terror. So, like, yeah. those types of rides. Yeah. Next time I like ride that. the Tower of Terror, I'm going to take like, a newspaper with me. Yeah, and let go, and then watch yeah. it just float there. Yeah, that does actually sound kind of fun. Yeah. Test it out. Or like a tissue. Tissue might be easier. Yeah, yeah. Put it in my pocket. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Jill, do you have a fun fact of the day? I do. This is a brand new book. I just took it off of a brand new book cart in the back here, which is very exciting. I love doing that. Yeah. It doesn't even have the stickers on it, like the spine sticker or the KDL sticker. So it is new, new. No stickers. It's called Extraordinary Woman with Cameras, 35 Photographers Who Changed How We See the World. And it's a pretty simple um, nonfiction book, just a like kind of just a little blurb about all these different women. And if you're interested in photography, this is definitely a book for you. So this is 
a fact of the day in the form of a question. And the question is, what is street photography? Here it is. Have you ever taken a snapshot of a stranger's outfit or a random building because it looked cool? Yes. That's street photography. Oh, you've done it. Look at that. Capturing a candid moment that might otherwise be unnoticed is a hallmark of the genre. So there's a lot of really cool street photography that probably that you could think of um, Um, that you've seen through the ages. I think of the picture of the Flatiron Building in New York, which is like a triangle building oh yeah that's a cool building it's yeah and there's like a lot of cool pictures of it because it's a cool building and here i am thinking of the instagram account i follow that just asks people if they can take photos of their dogs on the street that's good yeah that's street photography so that's interesting back from here and uh this lady vivian mayer was a secret photographer taking Mm. pictures of people in the street from 1926 to 2009 Wow. Well, that's how long she lived. She wasn't taking pictures that whole time. <laughs> Probably not in 1926 when she was a baby. Well, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. That's true. Always has a posable thumb. So. Yeah, that's true. That's all you need. That's true. Speaking of being a baby, should we answer a question about growing? I think that's a great time to answer a question about growing. All right. So this question is also from uh, Mrs. Blanchard's class. It's from Isaiah. And Isaiah's question is, why do kids keep growing but adults stop growing. And I just want to clarify, growing upwards. Yeah. Because, I, you know, growing outwards in certain areas does happen. So, But actually, I feel like you're going to talk about this. I, I actually wasn't going to, but I will, because you mentioned it. Um, that isn't growing by the definition I'm going to use oh. here. So that is, once your cells <clears throat> stop dividing, that's growing, they can get bigger, like all of your cells can get bigger. bigger. Okay. They can get smaller. That's if you gain weight, lose weight. They can get stronger. All of those things can happen even when you're done growing. Uh, okay. So tell us why we stop yeah. growing. Though. All right. So let's talk about what growth is first. So in the context of childhood growing, growth is defined as an irreversible constant increase in size. So once you're born, and of course, even actually before that, All the cells in your body are dividing, and then they create new cells. So each part of your body is growing like that. Your skin is growing like that, your muscles, your organs, even your bones. So the parts of your body grow at different rates. Do you know what is like one of the most fastest growing parts of your body? Got to guess. Your hair. um, Hair is actually quite different because it doesn't stop growing. That's true. Yeah. So um, I'm not even going to talk about hair today. We already, we have a whole podcast. We have a whole podcast about hair. (laughs) Yeah. Hair is a little different and nails a little different than other body parts because those keep growing even after your body starts growing. Okay, so a different part of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, Your nose. It is your brain. So you think about when you see a baby and their heads are so big compared to the rest of them because your brain grows faster, faster than your muscles and faster than a lot of your other body parts. So that's why babies look like that. Fast-growing brains. Yeah, because they can't hold their heads up for a long time. No, they can't because their muscles are not growing as fast as their brains. Mm. So there's a lot of factors that go into that, how much we grow or how well we grow. Mm. Like our genes are important, our genetic factors that we just get that from our our parents. I thought you were talking about my genes. No, your genetics. Wrong spelling. Yeah, different spelling. Um, they, They kind of inform like how tall or how short or what size you'll be. Um, also, your mom's health 
well, you're growing inside of them. That's really important for your growth. And that is why usually pregnant moms, you know, they try to take good care of themselves. They take vitamins, they watch what they eat or what they do, because all of that affects the baby's growth and it can affect the rest of that person's life. After you're born, the environment you live in, the foods that you eat can affect your growth. And and that's why it's so important to eat healthy and why things like good, clean water are so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's something that really affects people, um, not as much in, in our country, but in other countries that really affects yeah. growth is, is good, clean water. And, and that's a super important part of how well we grow. So how does your body know when to stop? Stop growing. First, Courtney, I have a, a, a question for you. Oh, gosh. I know. And uh, uh, full disclosure, she prepped me on the Isaac Newton question, and I didn't prep yeah, her on this question. Yeah, you did not warn me about <laughs> No warnings. Questions. No warnings. Okay, here's a hint. Oh, sorry. Well, the, question, the, the question, question first, first. The question first. Do you know, can you guess, the two parts of your body that don't stop growing? Besides hair and nails, those are just Ooh. kind of a separate thing. And I'll give you a hint, they're on your face. Your ears and your nose. Yeah, that's correct. Your that's ears why and your nose. old me, like, no offense to old men, but like when you're like around a lot of older men, their noses and their ears just look so big. Yeah, because yeah, they don't stop growing. Stop growing. So mean? we're all Pinocchio. We are. Yeah, just fair. nose keeps growing, keep growing. And, and I don't. It, the rate of growth there isn't quite the same as you know the rate of growth of other things. So it's right. not like all of a sudden. Your nose just looks enormous, but that just doesn't stop growing. So why does your body stop growing? Guess what? It's a mystery. Ah. <laughs> of course, it's it's not a complete mystery, but scientists don't completely understand why our bodies stop growing. Mm-hmm. And they actually been researching the answer to this question, um, like uh, doing some serious research on it since 1930. Um, one of the articles that I'm going to link here is a really interesting article about all the um, research that they've done on that stop growing part. And it's absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to even go into any of that here, but I, mm-hmm. I highly recommend reading the article because it talks about like different studies they've done putting like an, um, an adult spleen into a, a baby, a smaller mouse or a baby spleen into an adult ma- mouse. And those body parts just grow to the size they're supposed to grow no matter what the circumstances are. And then they stop. So I know brain, it's gotta be your brain. Well, that's one of the, of the theories, but there's several theories and there's also, um, there's also different theories for different body parts, which is kind of interesting. So all of our body parts know when to stop growing. Our liver knows when it's the right size. Our bones know when they're the right size and each, the parts of us stop growing when they're the right size. Like goldfish know like to not grow bigger than their tank can handle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, goldfish might have different. Uh, maybe. Because because of that, you know, we don't we don't grow quite the same way as that. This is why you should not flush your goldfish down the toilet. Because yeah, what if it's not really dead and it gets into the lake and big goldfish. That was yeah. like one of my fears. I don't know who put that fear in me when I was younger, but that was a fear that I had. That a giant goldfish would get <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, I was going to somehow create this massive goldfish in like one of the local lakes. Um, like when I lived on the east side, like yeah. in Lake Elizabeth, which is in Waterford, uh, Michigan, there was just going to be this giant goldfish because I had flushed my goldfish down the toilet. Yeah, don't do it. Don't just do it. Put them in a little box and have a little funeral. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so let's talk about when we stop growing. So we stop growing around puberty, um, and that's different for all people. Mm-hmm. And it's 
it's the right time for you. That's why it's important if you um, have regular doctor's checkups because your doctor will know what's normal for you. And that looks different for every person. And so there's, there's kind of an age range that your body stops growing, but it's different for all people. So why do scientists think the body stops growing? So some cells have kind of a plan in them mm-hmm. that's set by your genes and those cells just know when to stop like with instinct. They, they mm-hmm. know when to stop growing. Um, but scientists think that other cells react to information that they're receiving from their environment and the other cells around them and turn growth on and off as I know that is interesting. Um, scientists think that's how muscles know they need to stop growing. Mm-hmm. Muscles release a certain protein. And when they get big enough, they release the right amount of that protein for your body. And your body's like, oh, we're good. Stop growing. We got enough. Hmm. Um, But scientists haven't found that type of information for all body parts. But the liver will grow later in life. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, you can, you know, that you could give part of your liver to Mm -hmm. somebody else who has a diseased liver. And then those two parts of the liver will grow again. Mm Mm-hmm. So they'll turn that growth on and off. But scientists haven't figured out exactly how that has happened yet. Mm -hmm. So keep reading and learning. Maybe one of our listeners will be the one to discover how that works. We're really putting a lot on our listeners because every time we can't find the exact answer to someone's question, like, well, maybe one of you can. And one day we hope you do and you let us know. Here's the thing. Uh, scientists scientists are always learning and growing. Mm -hmm. And kids who ask these kinds of questions and keep asking them, it could be something that you're interested in the future, some kind Mm -hmm. of scientific research and there's scientific research in so many different fields. So if that's what you're interested in, keep growing, learning, keep learning and growing. Um, I feel like that's a really great segue though, into why there will not be a third question before I talk about the book that I'm reading, because we talked about growing and we talked about babies so you may notice that we are missing a third voice on this podcast Are today. you about to talk about the elephant in the room? I, <laughs> yeah. But not yeah. Katie, though. Not, not Katie L, the <laughs> elephant. For those of you listening outside of Kent District Library Service Zone, our mascot is an elephant. Her name is Katie L. She is not in the room. Also not talking about her. I'm talking about our lovely friend, Emily. And so Emily is not joining us because she had a baby. Oh! <gasps> She had a baby. She had a baby. And I'm actually going to roll a clip right now of when she told us that she was going to be having a baby because she told us when we were recording the podcast. When we were recording. So here's a clip from, oh gosh, I don't even know when this is from. Enjoy. Uh, Sorry, I'm going to start that over. I need to tell you about something because I'm like struggling here for a second. I'm pregnant. So I'm just (gasps) I knew it. I knew it. I'm like, I knew it. Breathing in this mask. And I, knew I feel it. very nauseous, and I was going to tell you guys a much like, more interesting way, but I'm like struggling <laughs> breathing in this mask. So I I'm apologize. keeping that in the podcast. I'm just kidding. I, I won't keep it in the podcast. I apologize for like, ah, I all knew it. of this like breathing and everything that I knew it. have to I knew it. With. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, she asked me like a few weeks ago. I'm only nine weeks long. I figured you'd But I feel like I could just tell. throw up on both of you right now. Um, that explains the Sprite, too. Uh, it does explain it does. the Sprite. When I was, it is, I, when, it is missed, said, though, Sierra. When you missed. bring the Sprite, I was like, oh, she's nauseous. But well, I didn't I think, oh, she's pregnant. And before you guys got here, I was like munching on these crackers. Also, to... it's not Sprite. It is Sierra, <sighs> Sierra Mist or whatever that's well, called Google now. Well, I Googled, too, if that would help at all, and it isn't really helping at all. 
Um, that's okay. All right, I'm going to start that answer over and try to, like, breathe. Nothing Isn't helps. Me. Nothing helps. It's just true. That's what I'm learning. It's awful. And, yeah. So, Emily is not joining us because she is home with her baby girl. Both mom and baby are happy and healthy. I just saw her yesterday. And growing. And growing. And baby growing. is growing. Baby is growing. Emily is past puberty, so she is not growing, not growing anymore. Other than certain exceptions like her hair and her nails and her nose and her ears yeah those are growing (laughs) other things not so much um so yes so you will hear her when she comes back from her maternity leave um but before we talk about what we learned about today i'm going to share a book that i found at the library um and if you've listened to our podcast before you know that i love the ocean especially sharks um and this book is called a day in the life sharks what do great whites hammerheads and whale sharks get up to all day um it's by carly jackson and chaya prabat and the publisher is neon squid which i think is great because it's a book about sharks um and it has amazing illustrations like the cover is beautiful the inside cover is this bright green and it just kind of goes through all the stuff about sharks so it goes through like their anatomy, the different types of sharks, how they eat, what the differences are. And also there's a page on um, my least favorite shark predator, which are orcas, big old bullies. Every time, no, every time I watch a documentary that has orca whales in it and they're talking about how great they are, I'm like, no, they're not. They're big old bullies because they kill great whites. I know. For their, like they just take the liver, which is... The most protein-rich part of the sharks. They're hungry. So it gets their energy up with really quick. But if they get rid of the great white sharks, that will cause a whole problem in the ecosystem. So they can't be bullies. They can't eat all the sharks. But anyways, if you want to hear me talk about sharks and orcas, there's, that happens in plenty other episodes yeah, it does. too. Lots so go them. back and listen to those. Um, but that's the book that I've been reading. Um, Jill, what did you learn today? Oh, I learned a lot of things. I think the most interesting is that everybody in the space station is just falling. Just falling. Falling. Just falling. Yeah. That was kind of terrifying to realize yeah. that it's just, you're just perpetually falling around and around. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. All the stuff about growing, though, too, and your brain being the like biggest and the thing that grows mm-hmm. the fastest makes sense because like you kind of got to know about danger um be able to make those decisions pretty quickly in life yeah um but yeah, yeah. all right well that's it for us today thank you for all of your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world too for more information or to send us your own questions head to kdl.org forward slash stump Tune into the next episode where we answer more of your questions. We also want to make a huge and special thanks to the KDL Marketing Department, the KDL Service Center, where we're currently podcasting, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro music. Bye.